You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Man, what a great story. Yeah, thanks Jeff for sharing that today. Welcome to FC. If this is your first time here, I am so glad you decided to join us today. Wasn't it cool just to see so many people get baptized today? And uh, we're baptizing in every service. And and guys, just up to a lot of work here in our church. I'm thankful for it. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, my, my parents did something extremely mean to me. And uh, I hate to kind of out them today. I hate, I, I, I hate to, you know, really do this, but uh, I feel like it's necessary. Um, when I was a kid, they made me eat mashed peas. Um, it's terrible. I know. It's like a, a mild form of child abuse, you know. I, uh, I, I didn't know any better as a baby, right? I mean, they give me this, this, this junk and, and you eat it. Uh, why? Well, very simply because you, you didn't know that anything else uh, was out there that was better. But then as you grew up a little bit, you discovered, like I discovered, something called Fun Dip. You remember Fun Dip? I found the old school picture here. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's basically sugar, you know, flavored cherry or grape, right? And then they give you a sugar stick to eat it with. So if you were like me, it was like I, I always ate that stick too fast, and then I was pouring the sugar, and then I was on like a three-hour sugar rush. You know, it's terrible for parents, but great for kids, right? I, I learned that there's a little bit something better out there than peas, and, and right there it was. And then I also learned as I got a little bit older, you know, it's summertime, your, your parents aren't at home, and so what are you going to do? What are you going to eat? And I discovered Kraft Mac and cheese, right? This, is, this was a, a glorious day, and you add a little bit of water, you throw it in the microwave and let the magic happen, right? And uh, you, you've got a, a, a great lunch, and if you're, if you're feeling lucky, you'd cut up some hot dogs and throw into the mac and cheese, and then it was a, it was a fine delicacy, you know? You know, that was, that was much better, right? And, and as you get older and older, you know, you just learn that there's better and better food. There's something, there's something better. And, and then I discovered something else. You guys discovered it this morning. Bacon, right? Bacon makes everything better, right? I mean, we know that God loves us because he gave us bacon. I, I had, you know, I had bacon this morning that had brown sugar on it and some kind of croissant, and they called it bacon crack, right? Did you guys have that one? It's amazing. Somebody was a genius, I tell you, and they took a tater tot and they wrapped it with bacon. We overthink it, don't we? It was so awesome. Like bacon makes green beans edible. Think about this. You would not eat a green bean had it not been cooked in bacon, my mom always cooked green beans and bacon. I get married. My wife makes green beans. I put them in my mouth, and I'm like, what are these green sticks on my plate? She's like, they're green beans. Those are not green beans. She didn't use bacon, right? Bacon makes everything better. Think about salad. I mean, there is no purpose in a salad without bacon. You do realize it's rabbit food, right? This is, these were not made for us to eat. Throw a little bacon on there. Boom, it's got purpose. Bacon makes everything better. Makes mac and cheese better, green beans better, doesn't matter what it is. Bacon makes it better. And, and, and for you and I, like, I, I think about my journey as a kid, growing up, experiencing better food, and, and I would never go back to mashed peas. No way. No way would I do that. Why? Because I've tasted something better. I, I've seen that there's a better way. I've tasted better food, and, and I, I believe that God has brought you here today to learn a little secret about life. And that secret is this, 
that there is in fact a better way to live than what some of you are actually experiencing. There's a better way to exist. There's a better way to live. And, and for some of you, you show up today and, and you're just kind of getting by. You're just, you're just feeling this emptiness in your life and, and you're trying to ignore it and you're trying to overcome it with work and relationships. But eventually, your heart of hearts always comes back to this empty feeling, this lack of purpose that is within your life. Now, just like we grow up and we experience better food, you and I were made for more than just a good life. Feeling good, looking good, having some good stuff. All that stuff is great, but at the end of the day, there's a much better life, a much better way for you to live, and I want you to experience it. In our scripture today, there's a guy that, that we're gonna see who, uh, he, he knows who God is, he thinks he knows who God is, and yet he doesn't know Jesus. And in his life, he wanted something more. He's, he's pursuing something more in his life. And, 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 and he doesn't know Jesus. He, he believes in a God. And I just wonder if there's some people in the room today that would identify with that. Like you believe in God, you believe in a God. But at the end of the day, have you really experienced Jesus? Do you really know who Jesus is? you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. If you don't have one, it'll be on the screen here in just a minute. But I want to set this up. Like we've been teaching through the book of Acts. And so every week we look at the next chapter and just we're going chapter by chapter here. And, and so let me give you a little bit of framework here. For the Jews at this time, they lived by a lot of Jewish religious laws. And one of those laws, a big part of those laws had to do with the food that they were allowed to eat. And so some people look at it now and say, you know, God told them to eat food this way because it's a healthier way to live. And so, you know, a lot of people kind of live by it today just for the health reasons. But essentially they were, here's an example. They were allowed to eat things out of the ocean, out of the water, as long as that animal had fins and scales. It was good to go. But no shellfish, you know, lobster, no shrimp for you. That was, that was considered unclean. And, and so you could eat animals that had four legs and that had hooves and that chewed the cud, uh, but that, that made cows okay, that made deer okay, but like a pig was considered unclean because even though it had hooves, it didn't chew the cud. Now some of the younger people are like, chew the cud, what the heck are you talking about? Well, you have seen cows in the field like chewing, and you're like, what are they chewing? Well, they basically eat grass, they swallow it, they throw it back up in their mouth, they chew it some more, they swallow it, they throw it back up and chew some more, and that's chewing the cud. I know, it's extremely disgusting, but he makes it for a great ribeye, right? Amen to that. Uh, especially wrapped in bacon. And so, so, um, so that was kind of the religious food laws. Now, there was a huge distinction between a Jew and a Gentile, and it had a lot to do with what they were allowed to eat because Gentiles were eating pigs. They were eating, you know, all of these unclean animals. And when you prepared unclean animals and you ate unclean animals, you were considered unclean. And so Jews didn't eat with Gentiles. They didn't hang out with them. They, they considered them unclean. Now, now listen, God had told the, the Jews in, the, in the old, what we call the Old Testament, uh, in, the, in the first books of the Bible, that you're supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, but their sin and all their man-made laws and all that kind of stuff just kind of messed up the whole thing. Uh, and so this great divide ex existed between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so we come to chapter 10, and this is why this is so important, because we come to a man, and his name is Cornelius. And Cornelius is a soldier. He's a leader. He's called a centurion. 
in, in the army. And so that made him uh, in charge of at least 100 men. And so he is a rough and tough soldier, leader, warrior type guy. And the Bible says that he was a God-fearing man. So I envision Cornelius as a God-fearing, you know, warrior, God and country kind of guy, right? That, that was important to him. And I think, man, there's a lot of men in the room today who probably identify with that. Yeah, man, God and country. But Cornelius' problem was that he didn't know who Jesus was. He wasn't a Jew. He, he was attempting religious things, but, but he didn't know, know who Jesus was. And, and so the, the story in this chapter says that he was praying. And praying, he's, again, he's pursuing God. He knows something's better. So he's trying to figure out, you know, who this God is. And, and as he's praying, God blesses him with the vision. And an angel comes to him and says, hey, you need to go find a guy by the name of Peter. And he gives him some instructions. And, and so he sends two of his messengers to go find Peter. Now, the next day, Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus, one of the early church leaders and fathers and, and, uh, of our faith, and, and he is at a friend's house, and he goes up on top of the roof to pray, and, which would have been a really common thing. They go up on top of the roof, better breeze, better view, all that good stuff. And so he's up there, and he's about to pray, and he gets hungry. And so he asked the people in the house if they would make him some food. And so um, he goes back up, he begins to pray, and then he, God gives him a vision. And the vision is of this big white sheet that's coming down from heaven. And on this white sheet are all animals represented on earth. So that would include clean animals and unclean animals, right? So this is a vision that he's receiving. And, and the, the, the voice came from heaven that said, Peter, rise and eat and satisfy your hunger. Because remember, he was hungry. And Peter's like, no way, Lord, there's no way I'm going to eat what is unclean. I've never done that, never going to do that. And the voice from heaven told him three times to eat this. So, so this was a huge deal. This changes the course of our faith today. And, and essentially what we're seeing here is, is that, that God is, is really abolishing all of these kosher food laws that the Jews were living by. Now, this has happened to you. You've daydreamed about food, haven't you? I mean, you've been You've been uh, at work, you've been, you know, hungry, and somebody said something about an airplane, and that made you think of, you know, airplane wings, and now all of a sudden you're thinking of honey barbecue chicken wings, right? And you're like, man, I'm starving, right? And you're thinking about them, and you're getting hungry, right? And, and, and so this is not just a daydream, like what we might experience tomorrow at work. This was a legit vision from God. And so Peter realizes that this vision means something. The messengers come and get him, and he goes to see this man, Cornelius. <clears throat> and Peter, when he gets there, he sees a house filled with Gentiles. So Cornelius had invited his friends and family, and it was just packed out because, because he realized that God had, had brought them together and that God had a really special message for him to hear. Now listen, I believe God brought you here today because he wanted you to hear an important message from his word. Right? And I hope that today, once you, once you hear who Jesus is and what he has done, then you're going to experience him and, and learn something about him that you never knew before. And I want to give you an opportunity today to, in fact, put your faith and trust in Jesus if you've never done that, so that you, like Cornelius, we're going to see, has his life transformed by the power of Jesus. Let's look at verse 34 of chapter 10 and, and see the story. Because at this point, he's in the house, all the Gentiles are there, and here's what he says to them. 
It says, Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So what we see here is that Peter is explaining this good news about who Jesus is. And so the good news about Jesus is that he, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the grave. And, and that good news allows us to experience this gospel, this grace that God has given us. Now, when we say the word grace, it just simply means that, that it is undeserved. God gives us something that we did not deserve, and, and sending Jesus was all a part of God's grace. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 145 that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. You see, the Lord is, is, is so gracious and compassionate with you today. He is slow to anger. He is rich in love. No matter where you come from and what you've experienced, you may come in today and you've got you know, some, some bitterness or you've got questions that, that you just haven't had answered by God yet. And so you're wondering, why did this happen? And why isn't God explaining this to me or showing me something that I need to be shown? But I just want to affirm to you today that God is a gracious and compassionate, loving God, and he is drawing you close to him today. And so today I want to give you three important truths about God's grace for us that we see in the story. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we see is that God's grace is available to everyone. This is mind-blowing. Like this is transforming the early church. The Jewish followers at this time, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how a guy named Philip led an Ethiopian man, a Gentile, to, the, to, to Jesus. And he prayed to receive Christ and he, he was baptized. And, and so the question that was bubbling up for all of these Jewish leaders was, okay, what do we do with Gentiles that put their faith in Jesus? All right, should we baptize them? Should, should we circumcise them? <laughs> and all the Gentiles were like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And uh, should, we, should we follow, sh should they follow all the kosher, uh, you know, uh, rules as far as what to eat? Should we eat with them? Can we associate with them? Like, these are real questions. They didn't know what to do with this because for so long, in verse 28, Peter, Peter reminds them of, of the, the former way of thinking. Peter says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And so part of this vision that, that, that changes everything is that God says to Peter, don't call anyone common or unclean. So essentially what he is saying here is that the gospel is for all nations, for all people. In verse 34, it says that God shows no partiality. 
So he doesn't offer Jesus to one nation and then, you know, he doesn't offer the gospel or Jesus to another nation. God shows no partiality. The gospel is for all nations and all people. In verse 36, it says that Jesus is Lord of all. That means all races, all countries, all cultures. And so the, the God of the universe is offering his grace, his love, his forgiveness to all people on earth. So the vision for, from, from God to Peter was that, yes, the gospel is for all people, as well as all the food laws that you've been living by are now abolished. That means bacon is acceptable. Praise God today. Jesus loves us, right? I mean, come on, right? This is a good news for you and I. And, and this vision transforms the way that all of these Jewish leaders are to view food and to view people of other nations. Now, in Romans 3, verse 24, it says, all of us need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift through Jesus Christ. So all of us need to be made right with God, which insinuates that something is not right between us and God, right? And that is remedied by the fact that we have a free gift from the Lord. Now, we have a hard time with this in America, accepting that this is a free gift because we have what we call the American work ethic, right? And so we, the culturally, we are just infused with this as we live here and we grow up here. And, and uh, let, me, let me prove it to you by these statements, if you will. Uh, uh, fill in the blanks to these statements. Let's just say them out loud together, okay? So the first one is this. If it sounds too good to be true, it is, right? That's, we just kind of live by that, right? That's just a phrase we know and we live by. There's no such thing as a free lunch. No such thing as a free lunch. We teach our kids this, right? No pain, no gain, right? Yeah, this is another part of our, of our culture. God helps those who help themselves, right? So yeah, I mean, this is part of our DNA, whether you realize it or not. And so the American way of life is, is saying, look, you, you get what you earn. There's no free lunch. That you made your bed, now you gotta lay in it. And so we are very aware of competition and winning and elbow grease and sweat equity. Like this is part of who we are. And we, we tell people like, hey, if you wanna make something of your life, it's up to you. This is the American work ethic. Now, the problem with this, this idea is that God doesn't operate on the American work ethic, right? This, this isn't his DNA. It makes it difficult many times for us to relate to God because we are in this driven work mentality. And so I ask people, you know, what do you, what do you think it takes to get to heaven? And I get a lot of very, uh, various responses, but they all kind of boil down to the idea that, that well, I've got to earn my way or I'm trying to earn my way into heaven. So you hear things like, well, the way you get to heaven is, is that you try to be a good person and uh, you do your best. You work really hard and, and you try to be a good moral person and you, you do good things. And hopefully in the end, the, the good pile of stuff that you did is, is taller than the bad pile of stuff, you know, that you did. And, and as a result, we'll ho we're hopeful that God's going to look at us and say, okay, man, you, you did a good job. Come on in. And so the idea of going to heaven for many of us is that it's based on how good of a life that, that we can live. And so we feel that we've done something uh, or, or we feel that we have to do something good because we know that we've done something bad. See, the Bible tells us that God has written a, a moral compass, so to speak, on your heart, a morality. That's why 
we all have a different view of what really is right and what really is wrong. And so that's why there's so many debates and so many issues in our culture right now with free speech is that, well, I think this is right, and no, 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 I think this is right. And so that, that morality has been written upon our hearts. So we can identify with the fact that we've done some bad things because we have a sense of what is right and what is wrong, even though it's not a perfect understanding. But, it, but God wrote that on our heart. And so because we've done something bad, when we hear verses like Romans 3.23, we get it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all like, yeah, I've fallen short. I've messed up. I've got some problems. I've had issues. We all relate to that. But the reality is that sin has separated you from God. And because there's sin in your life, there's a broken relationship with your creator. And as a result, God says, I I cannot allow sin into heaven. Like that's just not going to happen. He is holy. And so all this makes sense to our natural response. All this makes sense. So our natural response is to try to remedy that situation. We try to solve that problem on our own, and, and we try to do good and work hard so that, so that we could solve our own problem, like Vanilla Ice said, right? If you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it, right? But that's just not how salvation works. Like, it just doesn't flow like that. There's nothing you can do to solve the problem of sin in your own life. You've got to understand that God says this is absolutely free. You can't earn it. You never will earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work from it or work for it. And every faith around the world, no matter what belief system it is, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, they all are a works-based religious system, which says that you have to do this and this to earn God's approval. And, And even at that, you may get into heaven. Christianity is the only religious belief system that is built upon the grace of God an undeserved gift that was given to us. No other religion is based upon that. Every other religion is based on work. So what scripture is teaching us is that grace is available to everyone here. Every culture, every race, every country, right? So God destroys racism. He, he, he clearly teaches us that racism is sin here. And that for us, we're, we're, we are called and we are invited to experience his grace. Now, secondly, God's grace is, is experienced through Jesus. It can't be experienced through any other avenue. You say, why not? Why Jesus? Why not Muhammad? Why not Buddha? Why, why, why don't those work? And, and according to what the Word of God says, what we see is that the answer is that because Jesus is the one that paid the price of admission. Jesus died and paid that penalty for our salvation. On the cross, he paid for your sins, and and no one else could have done that. No one else could have provided that. Grace is free, no doubt about it, but it cost Jesus everything. It cost Jesus his life. So when we see verse 36, Peter says, this is the the good news of of peace, uh, the peace of Jesus. And what he's saying there is the only way that you can experience peace with God is through a relationship with Jesus. The only way that you can make peace with your past is through a relationship with Jesus. The only way that you're ever going to have peace with any broken part of your life is through a relationship with Jesus. That's why if you haven't given your life to him, you continually are trying and working and and filling, but nothing has absolutely worked for you. 
We see here in verse 38 that this is the life of Jesus, that God anointed Jesus to do good, to heal, to teach, and yes, to die. Verse 39, he died by hanging on a tree to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. Uh, Hundreds of years earlier, Jesus dies on a cross. And, and, And death by crucifixion would have been the most, one of the most horrible ways for any person to die. And Jesus experiences this death for you. The only way we can experience forgiveness and and the hope of heaven is through a relationship with him. In verse 40, it says that that God raised him on the third day. And so this this is amazing. Like, Like, yes, he died on a cross, he was buried, but on the third day, God raised him from the grave. So it proved that Jesus was who he said he was. And it proved that he has power over sin and death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So the payment that I have to pay and that you have to pay for the sins that you've committed in this lifetime is death. So all of us uh, have to face the reality of death. And so by understanding that, we realize, okay, 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 Jesus died, but he rose from the grave. And so, yes, the, the, the payment for our sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Jesus raises from the grave, defeating the power of death, defeating the power of sin, allowing you and I to to, to know and to understand and to live with the same power, knowing that we don't have to fear death. Yes, we will die, but we will live eternally in heaven with God if our faith and hope is in Jesus. Now, the alternative, if our faith is not in Jesus, the scripture is clear that we will live eternally separated from God in hell. And so again, we experience this relationship. We experience this grace through Jesus. And in verse 43, it says that anyone can experience this by believing in Jesus and receiving forgiveness of sins. See, this is great news for you. This is great news for me that even though I'm a sinner, even though I have a broken relationship with God, that Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty that you and I owe. And so if I put my faith in him, God forgives me, restores that relationship, gives me a better life than I could ever experience on my own. And the more and more I know him, the better and better and better and better it gets. And that's the kind of life that I want you to begin to experience if you have never experienced that. Peter's teaching this to this group of Gentiles and and something miraculous happens. Let's look at the next passage here, beginning in verse 44. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, talking about the the Jews who had come with Peter, they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. See, the third thing I want us to see today is that God's grace is received by faith. These folks that are hearing Peter talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, they experience faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is given to them, and then they are immediately baptized. Like, this is amazing. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. And a lot of people call this, this sending of the Holy Spirit like the, the Gentile Pentecost. Or this is, that, that just means that the Holy Spirit comes to them at this time. And, and so the reality is, this is God confirming the vision that Peter had. 
that the gospel is for everyone, and that it's through Jesus that we experience this, and, and we receive it by faith alone. And then Peter asked this question, who, who can say anything against baptizing these people? Can, does anybody have any idea or have any like, uh, thing that they would say they can't be and nobody had any reason? And so he commanded them to baptize the people. And so, so we see this over and over and over and over again in the early church. And, and so this is why it's great just to preach through a book of the Bible because we see the natural flow of, of, of God's word. And, and uh, what we learn is that people put their faith in Jesus and then they're baptized. Because baptism doesn't save you, but it is a symbol of this inward commitment that, that we make to Christ. So, you know, when we go under the water, we are identifying that Jesus was buried, that he died and he was buried. The old Trent died when I gave my life to Christ. And as I'm coming up out of the water, I'm symbolizing the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm, I'm symbolizing in my own life, a new life because of my faith in Christ. He saved me. So this symbolism is, a, is an, a valuable and very important step of our faith. Peter commanded them to be baptized. So it wasn't like, hey, you guys should think about this. No, if you put your faith in Jesus, you need to get baptized. This is what Jesus did. He modeled this. It's what he commanded us to do. So it's a public demonstration. It's a, it's a public way for people to know that we have identified as a follower of Christ. And so I would say that there's probably some people in the room who have never been baptized. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus and so therefore nobody's ever told you that you need to be baptized. Or, or perhaps I hear this over and over and over and over again in the South, like, like you're, you're a kid, you went to a vacation Bible school, you said a prayer and then somebody you know, um, baptized you but after that baptism, like you were, you know, you rarely went to church, you lived a very sinful life, your heart was far from God, but you kind of always bank on that early decision. I think that's a deception that the enemy gives to a lot of people, like they're banking on, you know, some kind of experience as a young kid, but, but their life had ne has never really demonstrated that faith. And so I want you to be very clear today that when you put your faith in Jesus, you're not perfect, but there is a change. And then there's evidence along the course of your life that he is the one that you are following. And so we can examine our own walk with the Lord today and, and we can examine when that baptism was because again, in the Bible, we often, we, we always see this. People's faith is placed in Jesus and then they're baptized. So a lot of people maybe get saved as an older kid and, or, or maybe as a young adult, but their baptism was when they were, a, 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 you know, six or seven year old and and I just want you to follow what simply the Bible teaches us here and, and everywhere, that that symbolism happens after our conversion experience. And so that grace that God gives to us is received by faith. And then these folks are baptized. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that it's, for, it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So this is important, like again, to emphasize this. Salvation ex is experienced by faith alone. It's not by works so that we, we can't boast about it. Can you imagine what heaven would be like if we actually worked for our salvation? Like if that's how it worked? I mean, it'd be a terrible place. I mean, just imagine the conversations. We would, we would be telling each other how great we were on earth and we'd be trying to one-up each other. Oh, you did that? Well, listen to what I did. And God was like, good job, man. And he, It'd be a terrible place. That's why he says it's by faith. It's by faith alone. 
Jesus tells a really awesome story. Uh, he was a great storyteller. And one of the stories he told was about a father who had two sons. And, and the youngest son comes up to him and, and says, Dad, can I have my inheritance? And, and uh, the, the father says, okay. And this was a kind of rebellious, kind of anxious type guy. And he takes the money and he, he leaves the house and he goes into, the Bible says, a far country. Uh, essentially, he went to like a Vegas kind of place to live it up, right? I mean, he, he's, he blew his money on women and wine and partying and having a good time. And eventually he runs out of money and he is spiritually bankrupt. He's spiritually and morally bankrupt. And he finds himself so poor that he has to, to, to take care of pigs. And so he's a servant taking care of pigs. Now, remember what we've talked about today. This would have been the most degrading role he could have experienced as a Jewish man to be taking care of these unclean animals. The Bible says that he actually was so hungry and poor that he actually had to eat what the pigs were eating. I mean, this was as low and as gross as he could go. The Bible says that he came to, to his senses and he's like, what am I doing? Because my father treats his servants way better than what I'm being treated right now. He says, I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my dad that, look, I blew it. I made a huge mistake. I'm sorry. And maybe, just maybe, I'm not going to ask him to be a son again. I'm just going to ask him if he'll let me be one of his servants because I know he'll treat me better than what the world is treating me right now. And, and so he gets up and he goes home. And as he's walking home, my favorite part of the story is that the father, the Bible says the father sees his young son walking home in the distance. And his dad just sprints to his son. And you might imagine that he would get up to his son and bring a level of condemnation and judgment. I told you not to go, man. I told you not to waste your money. Now where's all your money? Now what are you going to do? But that's not what he does. He runs to his son and gives him a huge bear hug, you know. You can imagine that just picking him, lifting him up off the ground and just laughing and enjoy. He says, guys, go get the best robe I've got. Go get the, the best jewelry I've got and put it on my, my son and, and go kill a cow because tonight we're going to have some ribeye. Bless God. He didn't say, you know what, bro, you need to go get cleaned up. You smell like pig. You're obviously unclean doesn't do that. And so they do, they party. And, 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 and some of you hear that story and you're like, man, I can relate to, the, to that guy because I'm kind of in the far country right now. I'm, I'm kind of living my life for me and I'm wasting money, I'm wasting time and, and I'm kind of rejecting God in my life. And, and, and if you were told that God is this judgmental, you know, you better, you're gonna have to like an old man with a cane kind of popping people on the head when they mess up. You've been told the wrong story. Because the grace of God is that he freely and willing you offers forgiveness through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The story also talks about an older son. The older son was extremely upset because the father, he, he forgave his son and brought him back in. And the older son's like, how can you do that, dad? Look, I'm here all the time and, and you haven't thrown a party for me. And he's really, really bitter and angry. And Jesus the whole point of the story is Jesus is, is really telling the Jewish uh, religious leaders at that time that, hey, you guys are the older son here. You're, you're, you're condemning all the Gentiles and, and you don't want them to be grafted into, you know, relationship with God. And, and uh, he, he, he's kind of calling them out on that. And, and maybe some of you are experiencing bitterness. For whatever reasons, you just haven't given your life to Jesus because 
Maybe there's questions that just haven't been answered for you or you're bitter at what God allowed to happen to you or you struggle with X, Y, or Z and, and that bitterness and anger is just kind of there and, and, and you haven't been willing to take that step of faith to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. No matter what you've experienced, no matter where you are at, the offer for salvation is given to everyone in this room You know, the Bible actually says in Isaiah 30, verse eight, that the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Like he is longing to be good to you. He's longing to be gracious to you. And we get this idea, we gotta work for God and he's some old man that's trying to, no, 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 that is not God at all. He is brokenhearted for you to come home to him. He would want nothing more than for you to lay down your pride and your ego today, to confess your sins, and to receive by faith the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus. You know, a lot of people are like Cornelius here today, believe in God, strong country, you got some more morality, but you've never really given your life to Jesus. The great thing about the story is that he experiences the power of the gospel and he's transformed and he's baptized and I want you to begin to experience that like I'm never going back to the food that I ate when I was a baby because it's just gross right I want better food and better stuff and the the the, the greater the meal the more I love and the more I want to experience and see God has something more for you he's got way more for you than you can possibly imagine today and I want to invite you right here right now if you've never given your life to Jesus, to do that very thing. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads and please don't get up and leave. I think this is really the most important time of our service today. We showed a video of of Jeff. He got to a point of brokenness in his life. The story right before I preached, man, what a powerful story of how he realized his need for Jesus, how the word of God really began to infuse his heart and his life was changed. His kids' lives are being changed. And, and I want you to experience the same thing that he did. Romans 10, 9 or 10, 13 actually says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to lead you in a prayer today that's not some magical prayer that's going to, you know, do anything that, you know, out of the norm. What it's going to do, though, it's going to give you the words to, to tell to Jesus today that I believe God will use to save you. And so in the quietness of this room, I just wonder, would anybody just admit, just kind of throw up their hand and put it back down. Would anybody just admit today that Trent, I think I need Jesus. And and you may not know what that means today, or you you, you are just kind of stirring in your heart of hearts today, but, but you've recognized through really a series of events. And today was just kind of like a culmination, like, wow, I feel like, Trent, this message was right for me and, and I need Jesus. I wonder, is there anybody that would say that just by a show of hands? Nobody's looking around, just throw it up. I see several. Praise God, okay. So here's what I wanna do for those that lifted their hands and wanna make this decision. Let me just lead you in a prayer. You make this your prayer. You say this directly to the Lord. I believe that he will save you today. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. 
and rose from the grave. I confess my sin to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my life. And today, I surrender my life to you. If that was a a prayer and statement that you just made to the Lord, how many of you would say, I just prayed that prayer? Just raise your hand and slip it back down. Anybody say, I just prayed that? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? See one, see one in the back, thanks sir. Anybody else? I just prayed, I want, I wanted Jesus, I just prayed and anybody else? I see another one, all right, awesome. Here's what I wanna do. Maybe it was last week that you prayed to receive Christ in the service, but you didn't tell anybody. I wanna encourage you, after I pray, I'm gonna say amen. You guys stand, James and the banner, they're gonna lead us in a great song. If you just prayed to receive Christ, if you did that recently, if you wanna be baptized, for any of those reasons, I wanna encourage you, when we all stand, would you just make your way to the right side of the room where this door is. Pastor Todd is gonna be here. He's gonna receive you and high five you and we're gonna celebrate you today. But we wanna know what you have just done with the Lord. Father, you know the hearts and, the, and the, just the, the weight of your spirit in this room and you're working and moving. And I just wanna pray God that you would take what has been said and you would multiply it in our hearts. I'm praying for those that just prayed to receive Christ and Lord, I I thank you for the work that you began and have done in them today. I pray that they would, in boldness and and, and with courage, that they would come forward today and and proclaim that and let us know that that decision was in fact their decision today. And Lord, heal our hearts, minister to our needs today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.